Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. Uh, we want to um, just uh, welcome everyone who's visiting or today connected here in person. Those of you in Coachella Valley, welcome. Wasco, Bakersfield, Delano. Uh, we just thank God for our Lifehouse family. Uh, we are soon launching East Bakersfield here on Brundage Lane that we're preparing a, a sanctuary. How many say amen? We'll be launching East Bakersfield here right after the summer, God willing. And uh, I want to thank you for being here this morning. I'd like for you to just go back with me a little bit. And we've been, the last uh, series or the last messages, we've been talking about pursuit of, of purpose. And uh, behind me, there should be the title in pursuit of happiness, which is what we think that we're really after. But happiness is fleeting. I want to say that again. Happiness is fleeting. It's really a, a head fake. It doesn't exist uh, in this world. Uh, but there is possibility that you would get contentment, that you would receive and you would achieve a, a sense of contentment, not perfection, uh, contentment with the blessings that you have through perspective, through perspective, contentment through the word of God, that godliness uh, with righteousness, with piety, with, with a right spirit is, is a gain, the Bible says. Contentment with righteousness, with godliness is a gain. And I'd like for all of us to kind of uh, recalibrate your expectations. Not lower them. I said recalibrate your expectations. I want to say that again. That all of us, many of us, are looking for something euphoric. Something that will bring you an emotional high versus stability. Versus a calling that you are more and more um, bringing into focus. A standing that you are in Christ Jesus that is scriptural and not just emotional. Yes. Um, uh, an identity that you have in Christ Jesus, that you know whose you are, and that you're able to not only proclaim, but to claim the promises that are yes and amen through Jesus Christ. I'm talking about purpose. I'm talking about discovering uh, beyond the, the desires that you have, the, the purpose that God has designed you for and created you to be and to have. The question today that we have, as we've talked about uh, believing, and then um, we've talked about belonging to the family of God, or knowing that you belong to God and to the family of God. Uh, we want to talk about becoming. And the question of this today's message is, what, what have I become? The question that I want for all of us is, what have I become? Uh, what have I become? And then if you go with me, I'd like to, uh, the word become, by the way, is a very powerful word. Can I ask you two or three more questions? Like, who am I today? Uh, do you know, can you be able, are you able to articulate who are you? Besides you being maybe a youth or maybe single, maybe you're married, maybe you're a husband, you're a wife. But can I go a little bit deeper and have you ask, ask yourself, who am I today? If, if somebody were asking your identity, um, who are you today? Uh, Gabe, uh, Abe, if you're up there, could you, if you have that picture, I want to 
anytime you have that picture, let me know that I sent you just about identity, just about if somebody asked you for your ID, let's say three years ago, somebody asked you for an ID one year ago, uh, and I'm not talking about just physical uh, change, but I'm talking about spiritual metamorphosis. I'm talking about your, the state of your mind, spirit, soul, and body, but, but especially your spirit. Are you evolving or are you devolving? Um, and I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get that picture, but as soon as you do, let me know. So who are you today in terms of your identity? The other question is what kind of person, what type of person am I becoming? What type of person up there either way am I becoming? That's, are you becoming a better person? Are you becoming, are you evolving in the right direction, upward and forward? Or are you devolving? Are you more cantankerous? Are you more angry? Are you more bitter? Are you a person that is more sad and alone and isolated? Uh, maybe you pretend, maybe we project. But truly, if you were honest with yourself, are you growing? Are you evolving? Are you a better person today? Who are you becoming would be a great uh, person. Uh, here's a butterfly that was stopped over by a police department. And, and uh, he says, hey, you know, you don't look like your, your ID, right? And the butterfly is saying, that's an old photo where it was, a, uh, you know, where it's a caterpillar. I'll say that again. Uh, it's kind of blurry up there, but you get pulled over by the, the, by the spiritual police in your life. And they, they look at who you were. And some of us were like evil and drunkards and just, uh, you know, we were not who we are today. I pray. And then when somebody meets you later on, he says, hey, you're not who you used to be. How many say amen? And somebody says, man, that's me. That's what I I used to do. I used to be that. I used to party. I used to be angry. I used to be bitter. I used to be negative. I used to be pessimistic. I used to be a hard person to get along with. I hated myself. I hated others. But because of Christ, because my encounter, my relationship with Christ, um, that is what I used to be. I'm no longer that person that I used to be. Back to the question up there, if you guys help me, who are you becoming um, in this process? Are you becoming a better uh, or, and more um, uh, uh, um, the image of Christ. Are you more and more looking like Christ Jesus or not? Or are you looking more like your old self instead of your new self? And the question again, what have I become? What have I become uh, is the question. And so become, the word become up there. Thank you, I appreciate it. The word become is a word pregnant with power. Become. It's an essence of something evolving, something taking shape, something taking form, something having solidity, like solidifying. Like there's a lot of processes that you're not sure what it is until it's, until it's finished. Um, um, and, uh, and so the word become is a very powerful word, but it's also the word become is, is pregnant with potential. Like, what can you become now? Like, what are you becoming? Like, just imagine the potential in the essence of becoming. Because we're one thing today. But what if God would get a hold of your life? What if you would surrender it? What if you, like, became a student of God's word? What if you said yes to the process of, of doing life together? What if we together, we began to grow and we began to read not just scripture and not just, um, you know, prayer and not just books, but we really got into, um, you know, um, into the business of, of, of growing and becoming what God wants us to become. It's full of potential possibilities, the word become, but it's also uh, filled with or pregnant with peril. There's a lot of danger that we become something else, that we become an anomaly, that you become isolated or you become selfish, that you become spiritually, um, you know, spiritually morphed into something or someone that God never wanted you to become. And that you allow the, the forces of this world your flesh, 
um, some of the vicissitudes, some of your downfall, some of your uh, negative experience to shape you into something that God never meant you to be. Uh, if you think back when we were all young and, and we were, you know, adolescents, uh, we had the power of dreaming what you would be when, uh, when we would grow up. Uh, somehow, some of those ideas, some of that power to dream, some of that power to shape your life, um, you know, is lost the older we get. Uh, we become more uh, negative. Uh, life's uh, trials kind of beat us down. Um, some of our mistakes, some of our relational pain that we're going through. So we kind of tune, uh, we, we lower the expectations. And God hasn't changed his expectations. God doesn't change his plans. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Yes. Not that I had for you. I know that plans that I have for you. Yes. Uh, they're still my plans. I still want to move and do and work yes. and, and have you grow. I know that the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans to do you good. They are plans to prosper you, enlarge you, bless you, um, you know, promote you plans for, for, for the Holy Spirit to take your life and to give you a hope and a future, to give you peace and shalom and prosperity. Um, and yet that's God's plans. But many a times our own development is stifled, is stagnated by our own mistakes, by pride and prejudice and anger and fear um, and bitterness. And we stop the process. We uh, interfere with God's um, plan for our lives. And so a lot of times we might think that the question of what, you know, God has for you, what am I becoming, is more a question for a kid or for a young man. But it's for everybody that is here. Why? Because becoming requires change. If you want to become uh, what God is shaping you in, it requires your disposition to be willing to change. So what is it in those areas that are you call non-negotiables that God wants you to put back into the table, back on the table? Things that you would, would not ever want to put on the table and God says, that's your pride. You know, that's your vanity. That's that's, that's presumption right there. I, everything with God is on the table uh, because we are his children. We are his creation. And, um, and so um, um, becoming uh, requires change. Change requires flexibility or pliability for you to be pliable, moldable, flexible if you're going to become. And then flexibility requires pressure. It requires a process, if you will. Flexibility, or for God to shape you, requires a process and pliability and pressure. The right kind of pressure uh, that yields the right kind of outcomes. Uh, because some of us are going through stuff and strains and stench and struggles that are divinely ordered to get you to bend. So some of us are so unflexible that God says, I'll bend you. But the purpose of God is not to bend you, I mean to bend you and not break you. Uh, but God says, I can get you to bend. Hey, I can get you to bounce, God says, right? I can get you to become. Uh, if not, I'll break you and I'll make you all over again like, like the potter and the wheel that, that, that God says to Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. I want to show you what I'm going to do with Israel because Israel is no longer pliable. Israel is no longer bendable. They're no longer flexible. I can't no longer play ball with Israel. Uh, I can't get them to become, so I'm going to break them. I'm going to break them and start all over. And I want you to go to the potter's house, and I want you to see what I'm going to do with Israel and with anybody that does not cooperate with me. Uh, I'll break you, and I'll start all over again because I'm the potter, and you're the clay. The clay doesn't tell the potter what to do. The potter tells the clay who you become. The potter's in charge. Uh, you and I, your job, my job is to be pliable, is to be flexible, 
is not to allow fear or past or prejudice or vanity or pride to get in the way of God making you into a vessel that he can use, into an instrument that will glorify him, uh, that is finely tuned. So God makes you a guitar and then he gives you string and your strings are all loose. Right? It doesn't matter that you look the part. It doesn't matter that you have the, the, the power, the potential to play. If, you're, if every string does not know its place, and if every string doesn't have the amount or the right amount of tension, it won't play. So you've got to cooperate with the maker, uh, with the guitar maker, and you become that instrument that allows God to fine-tune you. And yes, there's pressure. And yes, there's tension, but it's the only way you get to play and be a blessing and be used of God for the glory of God. How many say amen? Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning to the glory of God, to the glory of God. So can you bend? Are you willing to bounce? Are you willing to become? Uh, unless, or, uh, unless God breaks you. Up there, if you help me, becoming is a journey. So becoming is a journey. It's not a one thing, one time. Hey, I'm going to become. I came to, the, I came to the altar and I became. It's a journey with a process. And it is a process within the journey. It is a process uh, within the journey. Just ask Abram, 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 what it takes to become an Abraham. What it takes to be a father, to be an exalted father of nations. There is a journey between Abram and Abraham, even though there's only two letters that are different. Uh, ask Sarai. Uh, what does it take for Sarai to become a Sarah? So for every Sarai that is here, Sarai is incapable of giving birth. Sarai is barren, is infertile. The Sarai could never give birth. June, uh, Genesis chapter 17, God comes and says to Abraham, hey, I've got to change her name to Sarah, which means queen or mother of nations, Sarah. So only Sarah can give birth. But between Sarai and Sarah, there's one letter uh, in the alphabet, but a long journey in the process. So there she is, 90 years of age, and she's done. She's, she's, she's already given up the hope, the dream of birthing, of, being, uh, of becoming a mother, becoming a mother. Of, of feeling like she's got utility, like there's, there's a reason, a purpose, besides just kind of walking barren for her life and then dying. But between Sarai and Sarah, there's a journey. And there's a process. Uh, Genesis 17, God says her name is Sarah. In Genesis 18, a, 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 a theophany shows up by way of a, a triune, uh, three men, that's a theophany. They show up and they start conversing with Abraham. And then they say this, uh, where is Sarah, your wife? And then Abraham knows, knows that, wait a minute, only I and, and God and I know that her name is Sarah. This must be God. Amen. And so Sarah, Sarah, Behind the curtain, behind the tent, like every wise, I mean, every, every woman uh, is, is listening. <laughs> I, that's why women know everything, because they listen. <laughs> Men, we don't know, because we don't listen. But, but the ladies, I'm telling you, they, anyway, they have powers, and that makes me uh, very uncomfortable. Women have powers. Amen. They just do. <laughs> they shouldn't have them. <laughs> because it's not fair for us men who don't have that many powers. But anyway... So Sarah's listening, and then God says, by this time next year, Sarah's going to have a baby. And Sarah laughs. Sarah laughs behind the curtains. What is it that God is saying that you don't believe? So what is it God is saying, the, the shift, the name, uh, the transformation, the metamorphosis that God is saying about you 
that you just can't believe, that you're laughing at uh, what God is intending to do in your life and those around you. So she comes out of her tent and the angel says to her, uh, you laughed. And she goes, no, I didn't. I, I didn't laugh, she says, because she got defensive. And then about a year later, Sarah has this baby that is called Isaac. And Isaac means laughter. Thank you for all you theologians. That's awesome. You know your word. That is awesome. Isaac means laughter. means joy. It means, man, we, we did it. Uh, the old man right, and the old lady got together. Okay. You're, not, you're not with me. That's all right. That's all right. Um, so ask Israel, without belaboring the point, um, Jacob becoming Israel. The transformation is so powerful. It's not just the name into a brand new name. These are not just letters that are changing. This is identity now. This is identity that is changing. And at the end of the process uh, in, um, in Genesis chapter 32, the, the process starts in Genesis 30. It's powerful. 31, uh, 32. And there's an encounter. There's an angel that is fighting uh, with Jacob and Jacob with the angel. In the process, uh, there's a disjointed hip. They, he disjoints his hip. And the process, the evidence that Israel, that Jacob becomes Israel, is that Jacob walks differently for the rest of his life. Yes. Yeah. So he's got a limp for the rest of his life. He limps. So what does it look like? What does your limp look like? Uh, what is it that you used to be and you're no longer? That hot head, maybe full of pride, uh, big mouth, uh, cusser, uh, whatever, drinker, uh, uh, two-timing, uh, two backstabbing, no good for nothing person. Uh, and that now you're like more sedate, you're more serene, you're, you're just, you're no longer running, you're, you're limping. You've learned a lesson or two. You're, you're much more humble. You're, you're much less uh, apt to, uh, you know, get your big mouth in, in the way of something that God is saying. Uh, what is it that God is doing by way of transformation? Most of you know the story of Hannah, um, which means the word Hannah means favor, means grace. Uh, the word Hannah means uh, compassionate and merciful. That's the word mean Hannah. She's married to a person or a, a man named Elkanah. Elkanah means uh, redeemed, means known of God, redeemed and known of God, the creator. That's what Elkanah means. In there, there's a, another woman called Penina. Her name means stone, or it could mean both pearl or, or stone. And I'd like for you guys to, to see the difference. And I want to, just in this process, just ask Hannah what it took to go from Hannah the barren to Hannah the mother. And not just Hannah the barren to Hannah the mother, the, the process, the journey of being broken, of telling God it's not fair. Why, why does Penina have all the children that she wants to bear? And I'm barren. I've tried. I want to be. I want to become a mom. I want to have relevancy. I want my life to count. But everything I do, I'm impotent, literally and, and spiritually, figuratively impotent, incapable of, of moving my life into this realm of relevancy. Of, of my life counting, of the gifts that you've given me to be able to find their niche, their place. I, I'm a wanderer. I'm a sojourner. I'm hurt. This is Hannah. It's not fair. It's when you tell God, uh, it's not fair um, to, to have the desire, but not the tools. Uh, to, to want to be somebody, but not to be able to 
produce a child, to want to be a mom. It's not fair is what her cry is. And I want to stop here because for Hannah, um, this process for Hannah um, is, is, is much more deeply personal than it is for most of us. And so she reaches a point, the Bible says that Penina, she had children, Hannah didn't. Penina is torturing, the Bible says, making her, afflicting her, making her sad, making fun of her. Here's Penina, the haves, versus the person who has not. And, and so she reaches a boiling, a breaking point, if you will. And so she stops there. They're in silo. They're going to go worship. They're going to go offer sacrifices. And, and Hannah is broken. She's disconnected. And there's four questions that, that I want all of us to ans- ask ourselves. That, that Elkinah, God the Redeemer, God the Redeemer, God your Creator, the God who knows you. That's what Elkinah uh, n- means. The God who knows you, who redeemed you, and who created you. Um, The first question is, Hannah, why do you weep? So what is it that has caused you emotional distress? So, so a lot of us are stuck. You're stuck. You're stuck. Hannah couldn't bear children. And her name wasn't changed. She had a change of disposition, a change of attitude, a change of perspective, a change of mindset. Hannah did not. Her name was not changed like like Sarah to Sarai to Sarah or Abraham to Abram to Abraham or Jacob to Israel. What she needed to do is have an encounter with God and she needed to change her, her, her perspective uh, and, and, and her, her attitude needed to shift. Uh, she was sterile and, bur- uh, and barren because she was bitter. Uh, and because in this whole process, Elkanah says, why are you weeping? What is causing you to, to what is causing you emotional, um, um, emotional, um, uh, anti, and, um, I lost the word, but it's a really, really good, good, good word. It's a great word if I could just find it in my fertile mind, but it, it'll come to me. Um, it will sooner or later, but, but she has an emotional blockage, if you will. She has, she's compromising her emotions. The second question is, why are you not eating or why are you not feeding? Um, and especially when it comes to the word of God, this is more like physiological, psychological, something that is taking away your appetite for the things of God. Can you answer that question is, is, are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for the things of God? Or why is it that you're not, you, you've lost your appetite? Uh, the third question is, why are you grieved in your heart? What has grieved your heart? This is spiritual. Why are you grieving, which is different than emotional? Why are you crying? What's got you bitter or broken down um, and, uh, and kind of here in this barren state of, of being barren? Um, and um, I still th- trying to think that word while I'm talking. Uh, and then the number four is, am I not better than 10 children? Am I not better, better to you? The question is uh, that God is asking or telling uh, Hannah, am I not better than 10? Have I not treated you better than 10 children than if you had 10 children? And what I want to do is have you, he says, is not God your creator, your redeemer, uh, who knows you 10 times better than whatever, whoever you're desiring or wanting or coveting? Am I not 10 better, uh, better? Am I not be- 10 times better? than your very best husband, than your very best wife, than, than 10 children or daughters, 
Am I not better than 10 children or daughters or 10 times better? He's saying, am I not better than a house? Am I not better than that car, that new job, that new promotion, that new title? Am I not better than that? Am I not 10 times better than your very best surprises, than the very best miracles and marvels that you will ever experience? Because at the end of the day, the object is not the thing. Our goal is, is, is God himself. Yeah. Uh, so God tells Moses, go on without me. I'm going to send my angel before you. But I'm done walking with you because you, 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 and the people are very stubborn. I'm going to lose my patience and I'm going, to, I'm going to hurt you along the way. Or I'm going to punish you. And Moses says, and I think it's somewhere in the Greek where he says, no way, Jose. It's in the, in the Hebrew. Uh, no way, Jose. Uh, and Moses says to God, thank you for the perks, the angel. And thank you for the blessings, the manna. And thank you for the bounties and the benefits, like the cloud by day and the, uh, the pillar by night. But we're not going anywhere without you. Uh, we want your presence, not the present. Thank you for the promised land. But the promised land means nothing if you're not there with me. It's like going on a honeymoon without your honey. Uh, I'll say that again. It's like going on a honeymoon without the honey. Um, and so, see, heaven is not what we're after. I'd like to get there, and I believe I will. But that's not heaven, by the way, uh, is nothing without the relationships. So it's the relationship with the creator of heaven that we should be after. Uh, heaven is an empty, void, vacuous, cold, cavernous place without the person and the presence of Jesus Christ. Heaven is just a place. What makes heaven heaven is the presence and the person of Jesus Christ. That is who we want to know. That is who your objective is. The objective is the Lord and not the things that the God can give you. So when Hannah has an encounter with the God that redeems her, that knows her, the God that the, her creator, it was her creator that she comes and she's broken and she's weeping. Eliah, uh, the prophet, the priest, uh, Eli says, woman, you're drunk. He says, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just broken. And brokenness and drunkenness looks like very, they look like a lot like each other. Like brokenness looks a lot like being drunk. Amen. Because he was just talking from her lips. And he said, boy, this lady's had way too much wine, way too much alcohol. And she goes, sir, I'm not, I'm not drunkard. And I'm not drunk. I'm broken. And she makes a covenant with the God. So Hannah makes a shift. And then the Eli, the priest says, go and be sad no more. And may the Lord God of Israel grant you your request. Yeah. Go and be sad no more. She had a shift. The Bible says she went, she left, and she was sad no longer. You know why? She had an encounter with something greater than a baby. She had an encounter with the God, her creator. The God that redeemed her. And right there, she had a, just, a, she, she connected with God. She's the first woman that calls God in the Bible, Jehovah. Do you know that she, she wrote Psalms? If you read the, the second chapter of First Samuel. If you read Psalms 113, that's her psalm. That's hers. She became a composer. She became a songwriter. She became a, pro, a prophetess. Uh, through the process, she met God and it no longer mattered if she had a kid or not. Uh, the importance is that she met the creator, the redeemer of her soul, the one who knows her, and she was good with that. She was content. She found her purpose. Her purpose was not to produce babies. Her purpose was to know her creator. Amen, Richard. To connect with her creator. 
and to have peace with herself and to walk and then have Penina. It didn't matter that Penina was showboating and trying to show her kids. It didn't matter. All of a sudden, she knew that she was a daughter of the living God and she became a composer, a prophetess, a writer, a psalmist. And when she was sad no more, the Bible says that something about that sadness, something about what, what is hindering uh, that, that anti, um, something that, that, uh, that, 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 oh, I got it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Nobody here helped me. Nobody bailed me, but you did. Oh God, God, because you love me. And these people just, they just use me. So, so what is it that, that, uh, that women, some women take to not get pregnant? It's called an anti, yeah, it's birth control, but it's called an anti, because it came and then it left me because I was showboating <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Yeah, anti-conception, but there's a different word, but a contraceptive, a contraceptive. That's what it was, a contraceptive. I feel like I'm back, a contraceptive. So what is it that is a spiritual or an emotional or a ministerial contraceptive in your life? Probably fear, maybe pride. Maybe prejudice of some kind. Maybe past hurts. What is it that is keeping you from your destiny and from embracing your purpose? A contraceptive. What is that contraceptive that keeps you from becoming? So the first thought in your outline here, if you just go with me in your outline, is uh, becoming requires change. Be- requires Becoming requires change. Pastor Andrew, can you put a little bit of air conditioner here if you don't mind? Becoming requires change. So if you're not willing to change, if you're not, uh, you know, open to change, if you don't open the door to a new thought, to a new relationship, to a new level of interaction with God, uh, for Hannah, it was, she was willing to change her attitude, her perspective, her mindset with respect to God. Um, and I'm talking about when, when, uh, when we allow the right kind of change, up there, thank you, when we allow the right kind of change, at the right time, the right way, and for the right reasons, uh, we begin to grow and we mature. What you're after is that transformation, that metamorphosis is really growth. It's really having you evolve and becoming more mature, more sanguine, more, pers- uh, more um, uh, at peace with yourself. See, our pride and prejudice and past and points of no return, including our hurts, habits, and hangups, those are what keeps us from being open, uh, open to the kind of change that will save your life, the kind of change that will save your relationship. The kind of change that God has ordained that will change or, or save your goal, your purposes. See, our pride, our pride is inextricably, inextricably connected to our flesh. Our flesh, what, is what, what John calls the pride of life, the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2, the pride of life. It is because pride is a relationship killer. Somebody doesn't want to let go. Somebody doesn't want to lose an argument. Pride. Somebody doesn't want to start a conversation. I'm not going to start it. Um, Pride is a relationship killer. 
Uh, pride is a marriage, marriage, a marriage destroyer. It's a home obliterator. It's a job and career ender. Pride is. It'll end your career because you're not willing to change. You're not willing to take the notes. You're not willing to take constructive criticism from your supervisor. Pride. Um, pride is a divine caller suffocator. It'll suffocate God's call on your life. You can take it to the bank that anything that is unchecked, unconfessed, and uncontested sin, our sinful nature, will be the end of us. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Romans 8, 12, 14 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, do you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do, urges you to do, like, like to compete and compare and complain um, and or to be covet, covetous um, and to or, or be angry. So you don't have an obligation to your sinful nature. Verse 13, uh, if you live by its dictates, you will die. You will die. But if uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Amen. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children, are children of God. All who are led yes. uh, by the Spirit of God. Um, number two, change requires pliability. Change requires that you be flexible. Pliability is another word for being flexible. Um, ask God to help you become moldable, more open, more flexible, more pliable, like clay, if you will, like clay. We've always used the acronym FAT to be faithful. The, the F is to be faithful, be faithful. The A is to be available uh, in the acronym FAT. And then the T is to be teachable. That is really, in essence, to be flexible. Um, it's, you're faithful, you're available, and you have a teachable spirit. You don't have a know-it-all spirit. Um, and uh, in the scripture here that you have in your notes for your point number two is when... Um, uh, Jeremiah is called by God to go to the potter's house and to go and see the process of how something or someone can be made all over again. Um, and it has to do a lot with your perspective, with your mindset. And then number three, uh, just in your notes, uh, uh, flexibility requires or pliability requires pressure. At the end of the day, it's the pressure points and how sensitive you are to allowing God. Thank you very much, Pastor. I've, I've tried to take some of these here and they don't cooperate. They like, they break down. I don't know who the pastor of this church is, but they need to fix that. Um, thank you, pastor. Um, pliability, flexibility. If you're going to get molded into something, you, you need to be able to bend. The clay needs to be supple. The material needs to be cooperative with God because God is going through different processes or different times and pressure points and different experiences. You're going to go through breakdowns or pain, disappointments. People that you love are going to disappoint you. People you trusted are going to betray you. Um, it's usually through relationships, but it could also be through processes or jobs. Um, and although all of a sudden, man, you're under pressure. And it's if it's the wrong kind of pressure, like the pressure that comes from pride and anger and bitterness, the, the pressure of trying to perform, dad or mom, uh, brother or sister, trying to prove something, trying to, to live up to a standard of somebody who's, who's, got a, uh, who's a perfectionist. You'll never be there. You'll never be able to please people um, all the time or most of the time anyway. But there's the wrong kind of pressure that brings about the wrong kind of morphine, the wrong kind of change, metamorphosis. And um, uh, I, I showed you the picture of that butterfly at the beginning because in the process, 
everybody or most of us knows about the monarch butterfly. It's a, it's a big caterpillar. It's ugly. The, the caterpillar is ugly. And if you see a butterfly at the end of the process, you would not uh, see, you would not see the semblance between a, a, a caterpillar, a, a, a grub, if you will, and, and a beautiful butterfly that has this incredible migratory, um, you know, process and life after it, it metamorphoses. Uh, but all of us start somewhere in our life as a grub or as a caterpillar. Um, I shared with, with you guys many a times, and I'll share it one more time. I'm, I'm in the high school. I'm a principal. We're reading a book about transformation, all of us, the, 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 the leadership. The, and I'm turning the pages as we're reading. The, the subtitle is Change or Die. That's the subtitle of a book that's the, entitled Transformation, Change or Die. And as am I reading, all of a sudden I see this picture, uh, this, 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 this picture as I turned the page. It was a butterfly um, and a caterpillar. The caterpillar was as high as it could arch from the ground, as high as it could arch. The butterfly was right. They were nose to nose, as low as it could fly. And they were nose to nose and there was a tear running down the cheek of the, of the caterpillar. And the ca caterpillar was pleading with the butterfly and saying, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. We've been together for so long. And the butterfly says back to the, to the, to the caterpillar, she says, she says, but I've changed. Um, I can no longer drag myself through life. I have wings. I must fly. I have wings. I must fly. And in the very next caption, you see the butterfly fluttering away. The caterpillar goes right back to crawling and dragging itself through life. And right there, I was in the, the office. I was in my office there at Cesar Chavez and I, I just felt convicted. I felt the Holy Spirit come saying, that's you if you get comfortable. That's you, that's, that's you, that's the caterpillar. That's the church. That, that, is why, that is why marriages, one person becomes a butterfly, the other person stays as a caterpillar. They might live in the same house, but they're not together. One's a butterfly, one's a caterpillar. Uh, that's why people leave relationships. That's why people leave churches. And, and those of us here in our church, we have to be open to, to changing, to morphing, to allowing God. This is why people leave relationships is because one is, one is growing and one has wings and the other one is still dragging itself from the past pride and prejudice. And, and I closed the door. I locked it. It has a little window and I put my, my door, my my, my, my chair in a corner and I just began to pray. I began to weep. I began to ask God for the spirit of just evolving to, to hunger, to be hungry for change, to be hungry for the right kind of change, not to be stagnant, um, not to allow life or the blessings that life comes and gives us uh, to take away the hunger from wanting and being more for God. Um, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you bow your heads? Would you bow your heads with me? So it's really uh, the, back to the question, what have you become? Huh? Are you happy? Are you proud with what you've become or what you're becoming? Is it in keeping with God's plan and purpose or is it more selfish? Is, is there something that's fundamentally gone wrong in your relationship, your, in your emotional? Why do you cry? Why are you weeping? The question was from, from Elkanah. And why have you stopped eating and feeding and growing 
and, and what has uh, brought affliction and what has brought grieve, grievances to your heart? Why are you grieving? Am I not better? See perspective. Am I not better? Am I not better than 10? Am I not better than 10 uh, children, than 10 sons? And in that process, Hannah was able to come to her senses and says, you know, I was created for the creator. And I need to just be content with that. And she became pregnant. That, that contraceptive, if you will, what, what was keeping her from, from conceiving was she was hurt. She was bitter. She was broken. She was angry toward God. Angry probably toward Elkanah. Definitely angry toward Penina. And so what is it? What is that that's compromised your spirit, your emotions, your heart? Um, what is it that's come between you and God, your creator, your redeemer, um, so that you've stopped becoming or stopped evolving and growing? Father, we pray today that um, you would have uh, mercy in our, on our lives today. We sense your presence. We thank you for what you're doing and what you're saying in our lives. Would you please work a miracle of, of true metamorphosis, something that comes and changes us um, into the person, the men, the women that you want us to become, the men, the women that you want us to become. <laughs> to the glory of God the Father, to the glory of God the Father, to the glory of God the Father. As um, for those of you online, we thank you guys. God bless you. Thank you for your prayers and, and your, your blessings, your gifts. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next Sunday. Um, God bless you. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the LifeHouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at LifeHouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.